Coming up on today's episode of the Money Pants Superpower Hour. Parents usually give their kids money because they want them to learn how to manage money on their own. Today, we're going to talk about why Money Pants is the best tool to prepare your children to handle money responsibly in the real world. We'll talk about the variety of money management tactics financial experts endorse and the big why behind all those plans. Are you worried that if you pay your kids money, they'll become obsessed with money? We'll give you the secret for avoiding that pitfall. We'll discuss the simple secret for making your savings meaningful, and we'll talk about why fun money is necessary for any budget. Finally, we'll explain exactly how the Money Pants app goes about distributing money into piggy banks on payday and the important lessons it will teach your children. We will also get some extra insights from a special guest we have invited on the show. All this and more, but first, the joke of the day. A man and his wife go on vacation and need a hotel for the night. When they find one, the manager says, they're welcome to stay, but it'll cost $250. That's a bit outside their budget, so they turn it down and ask if there's anywhere cheaper in the area. The manager says, well, yeah, in fact, there's a hotel just up the road. It's only 25 bucks per room, but I'll warn you now, there have been many reports of the building being haunted. The couple don't think anything of it and make their way to the cheaper hotel, and when they get there, they pay the 25 bucks and ask the manager about the reported hauntings. The manager says, ah, that's a bunch of rubbish. I've been here over 300 years and haven't seen a thing. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Money Pants Superpower Hour. We are your hosts, Hannah and Fontaine Judd, and we're the proud parents of seven sons and six daughters, ranging in age from college student to toddler. We're both BYU graduates and the creators of Money Pants. Head on over to CaptainMoneyPants.com to learn more about what we do and what we're all about. We believe every person on this planet has been given at least one superpower to help them accomplish their unique mission in life. But the only way to unlock those superpowers is through work ethic. That's when greatness happens. And that's where Money Pants comes in. Money Pants is the complete tool set for cultivating work ethic in all aspects of a person's life. And today's topic is the 10, 10, and 10 rule. And to help us with this topic, we actually invited a certified financial planner who has a lot of experience in this field when it comes to budgeting and planning and making your money work for you. And she'll join us at the end. Her name is Rachel Burns, and she has, I think, some pretty interesting insights with regards to uh, the 10, 10, and 10 rule, but also, you know, making sure that your money does what you hope and want it to. But I guess for me, the first question would be, you know, when it comes to developing your superpowers and becoming, you know, this better person and accomplishing a unique mission in life, what does money have to do with that? Well, it's really simple. We the, the whole money pants concept is to take for parents to take some of the money they were spending on their kids. And instead of giving their kids things, they give their kids opportunities to earn some of those things. And how do they earn it? By developing their superpowers. So money is a powerful motivator and it's very liquid, it's very fluid. And it really can come in uh, very handy. And it's, and at the same time, it's also completely different than an allowance. Well, as we bring up this topic of the 10, 10, and 10 rule, I, it reminds me of a, a mom blogger who was complaining. She goes, gosh, you know, a lot of people pay their kids allowance or they pay them for chores. And the reason they say that they want to do that is because they want to prepare their kids to be financially responsible. 
as adults. They want them to know how to handle money responsibly. No, you hear that, sure. Yeah, and and that's that's a valid reason to do that. You know, you never your kid has never bought anything. That your kids never. They, they don't know anything about money. And then you send them off someday and they're like, what, what money? What What's that? And they make all sort of mis- sorts yeah. of mistakes. And so, and so yeah. parents are like, no, I want my kids to be handling money. And so they pay them an allowance. Hey, every week, here's your $20. You manage that. and Or here's, um, I'll let you earn this money. Um, here, you manage that. And her observation was when she tried that, she was like, um, my kids went and bought a bunch of candy and uh, junky toys and Stupid and stuff. had a had a great time, but that's that doesn't reflect reality at all. That's actually really irresponsible. If they do, if they leave home and do that with their paycheck or whatever, it's not going to work out well for them. It didn't teach um, the lesson. Yeah, it that... didn't quite teach the lesson that she was hoping for. Right. And uh, she's like, my husband and I, when we bring home a paycheck, we can't just go blow it all on a new boat or blow mm-hmm. it all on, you know, getting my nails done and everything like that. I, I've got bills to pay. I've got very little of it goes towards us having well, fun. Didn't she conclude then, therefore, that money, giving kids money and allowances and all that was stupid? Wasn't well, that yeah. Her? And so she was like, I I think it actually backfires and, and teaches them to be irresponsible. So her, her thing was, don't give them money at all. Mm-hmm. And so money pants is different because we say, yes, they should have money. They should be managing money. Um, they do need to prepare for that. But there's a better way to prepare them. Hmm. And, and that is to actually teach them to have a budget and manage it responsibly. And so we've come up with Money Pants kind of has a mock. It's not as serious as being in the real world as far as, oh, you've got to pay this housing bill or you won't have a house to live in. Right. If you don't earn money for soccer, you're not going to be homeless. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't earn your clothing budget, yeah, you're still going to be fine. Yeah. You, you can still get, get clothes. Turned off. Yeah. yeah. So, so basically the kids are given bills to pay mm-hmm. that aren't actually essential, mm-hmm. but are, are treated but, as but, bills. But for the kids, they may feel that way. They may feel that way. Some kids may feel that football is essential or mm-hmm. clothing is essential or their new bike or whatever is essential. And it's a great intro, I think, to kind of how the real world works and getting kids to understand to be responsible with their money and what what money means and how to how to plan for things. Yeah. So so the Money Pants app sets has these things kind of treated as bills, but it has them follow a spending plan. And that's what we're going to talk about today is why it does that and why that prepares them for the future to actually be responsible once they leave home. Right. And I think maybe we should we should start off with the the whole idea, and here's the cool thing, is, is the 10, 10, and 10 rule is not just a good idea for money pants. It's a good idea for, for anybody when they're doing uh, a budget or, or dealing with their money. So whether you're using the money pants system or not, you should be doing this. And this and th- this is why. The, the 10, 10, and 10 rule is 10% of your money, 10% of your income goes towards tithing or donations, some sort of charitable donation. 10% goes to savings and 10% goes to fund money. And the remaining 70% of your money, that goes towards all your other expenses and bills. So the idea is 10%, right off the top, you give 10% to God or 
10% to others who, who are in need. That, that's the idea is 10% right off the top. Then, and we'll talk about all these in a second, but I just kind of want to give a brief overview. 10% goes to God. 10% goes to paying your future self, you know, savings. And then 10% goes to your current self for fun money. You got it. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, and Rachel Burns has some insights on that where it's so critical that you give yourself just, even if it's a very small amount, you need to make sure you have some sort of fun money. And then the remaining 70%, your bills should never go above 70% of your income. And if you apply this not only to you know money pants and letting your kids learn that, but if you apply that to your own personal finances and the family finances, you're going to be fine. And that's the thing is there are a lot of different budgeting plans and some of them are kind of gimmicky, but I, I first heard of the 10, 10, and 10 rule from a church class, uh, a class at church being taught by a CPA who recommended 10% tithing, 10% savings, and 10% fund money. You know, pay God first, pay your future self second, then yourself third. And he, he had a really good point. He's like, if you save 10% of your income every month, by the end of the year, you'll have a little over one month of income saved up. You're like, whoop-de-doo. Well, after two years, you'll have two months of income saved up. After three years, you'll have th- a three-month buffer so that if something does happen, you're going to be fine for three months. And we've learned, and there are plenty of statistics, that a vast majority of Americans don't have enough money to even get past that. They have to live paycheck to paycheck, let alone having a one-month or a two-month uh, buffer. So, And that's the nice thing is if your bills never exceed 70% of your income, you'll never go into debt. So, and then, you know, we happen to subscribe to the biblical teachings where the Bible teaches very clearly, you give 10% of your money to God. It all belongs to him anyway. And I always liked that idea where I've read a lot of these, these books of financial gurus, and that was kind of the overwhelming theme of almost all of them is that... Uh, Pay God first. Yeah. Where, Pay where, your tithing. Not, and you know what? They don't, they don't always, they're not as always overt about, you know, God and religion, but they do say... Give 10% mm-hmm. back. And whether that's tithing or some sort of charitable donation or some sort of charity work, that was the, that was the theme throughout all these books. And some of the <laughs> richest people on the planet are also some of the most generous. And they all believe that when you give to others, it comes back to, to bless you. Whether you, you know, it's karma or God's blessings or whatever you want to subscribe to. But it, I mean, the, the author Rich Dad Poor Dad was a big proponent of this where he's like, yes, the... The the rich the richest people he knew were some of the, also some of the most generous people he knew, and the amount the amount of good you can accomplish when you give to others, uh, especially when you are rich, is is almost incalculable. Well, uh, what's the promise in Malachi? Um, if you if you donate if if you bless the lives of others that God will open to you the windows of heaven and there will not be room enough to receive it or some, something like yeah, that. Yeah, we, and we've personally experienced that where anytime we paid our tithing, especially when it's been difficult when mm-hmm. um, or uncertain, uh, we've been blessed with as much or more than what, what we gave, like right. unexpectedly. Well, and that's the thing, and, though, is, is we, we have some very rich clients who... When they when they saw that we had ten percent tithing, they got really excited about it. I'm like, yes, I want my kids to learn that because I've experienced that in my life, mm-hmm. and I want my kids to understand that. And they were really excited about that idea. And I, I w- I'm not, I'm, I don't make as much as some of these people do, and I was really impressed with their enthusiasm for this this concept. So it's a true principle 
Yeah, the, but whether you're rich or poor, ten percent. There's always to some, God. well, there's always somebody poorer than you. Yeah, there's always some, you can <laughs> always help somebody else. There's, so yes, when when you look out and help help others, it always uh, benefits you. And what's the concept? You know, rising tide lifts all boats. What if everybody did this? What if everybody took a small portion of their income to give to the poor and to help? those who are less fortunate, the entire society would be buoyed up. The entire society would be doing better. And so that's a correct principle. Um, then there's, uh, I, I read another article, and I just kind of blow through this, but there was another article, a guy was like, you know, he, he proposed the 60% solution. You know, we money pants, we propose 70% of your money never goes past, your You're bills right. never go more than 70%. This guy's like, never let your bills go more than 60%, where he's like, 10% goes to retirement, 10% goes to savings, 10% goes to fund money, and then 10% goes to irregular expenses like appliances and major repairs. And I thought I thought it was interesting that he left out tithing, which I think is a mistake. Then I also had another experience working with Ernst & Young for the uh, Entrepreneur of the Year Awards, and we were the, the video team. And there was this one guy at Brent Butterfield. I, I'm pretty sure that was his name. And his thing was, if you want to be rich, save 50% of what you make. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty extreme. And he's like, yeah, you know what? All my friends, they were they were out buying new cars and new furniture and living in nice houses. And me and my wife were, you know, we were eating ramen and you know, buying our clothing from Goodwill. And he's like, but we did. We saved 50% of our income until such point as we saved up enough. And then I bought my car dealership. And now I make 20 times what they do. And I still save 50% of my income. And he's, he has, he's a truly wealthy guy. But that was, and I think that's kind of extreme. That seems like kind of a little, that, that's a little much for me. So money pants, we kind of toned it back. We're like, you know what? 10% for tithing, 10%, 10% for savings, and 10% for fun money. 70% goes towards your expenses. And so. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the previous guy where he he didn't include tithing in his mm-hmm. budget plan. And uh, one of the concerns that parents have brought to us is, well, I don't want my kids to be doing everything just for money or for themselves. And so. Oh, right. Because with money pants, there's, it's all. It's called money pants. It's called money pants. There's a lot of focus about money, right. But I think it's important to teach your kids that money is neutral. How you, what you do with your money determines whether it's good or bad or Mm -hmm. selfish or unselfish. And so putting, yeah, putting tithing first, putting charity as part of uh, their budget first, it teaches them, hey, this is what money goes to first, is helping others. And so it- What a great lesson. Yeah, leaving that out and your life just becomes about money and what you're gonna get. And it's, you know, that's not the lesson that, that's not who you as an adult want to be. And it's certainly not what you want to teach your kids about money either. Right. And so that's part of the mistake of not not putting that first is you don't want money to become the love of your life and right. um, no, your you're main objective. Right. And, and what a great lesson you're teaching your kids by saying, hey, we're going to give you this money and you should take the first 10% and share it with others. And, and let's talk about that. So 
all these different people have different iterations of the 10, 10, and 10 rule. And, uh, you know... Well, the whole idea is you have some sort of system in place to where your money goes. Yeah, to where your money goes. They're all different ideas on how to do that. Uh, But the main point of all these spending plans is to keep you from living on the very edge of your income. Because think about it. We're saying limit your bills to 70% or limit your bills to 60% or 50%. The idea is don't make 100% of your income go towards bills mm-hmm. uh, because that's a very dangerous place to be. Well, we love doing this. The, the question is, what if you didn't? What if what if, what if you, you don't? didn't have that money set aside? And we were once in that predicament ourselves where we were looking to buy a house because it was during the housing boom. We were on, in, on a busy street. We felt obligated to try to get our family off of the street. But the cheapest house we could find on a non-busy street, we could get a loan for it. But as we did the math, we realized that if if anything went wrong... If there was any health disaster, if there was any anything broke, anything needed to be repaired, um, work. or yeah, there was a, a break in work unexpectedly. Um, well, and in your career, it was expected that there would be breaks in mm-hmm. between projects that we would lose our house. Mm-hmm. And we would be under this constant stress of not having any money to spend on anything other than our bills. And a constant threat of losing our home and losing everything. And so the point is you don't want to, when you're buying a house and you're you're determining what your bills are going to be, you want to keep them at a percentage of your income. You don't want it to be 100% of your income. And by limiting it, it gives you freedom and peace of mind. You can help others out. Right. You can save up for things you want. You can save up for a rainy day and put money aside. So if, if you know, you're out of work or something, you're not going to lose your house. As an adult, that is a correct principle of managing finances. And so that's what you want to teach your children. If you're trying, if your goal is to teach your children, hey, this is, I want to teach you to manage money responsibly. Mm-hmm. You would want to teach them um, this concept of limit your bills to this and then ha- set money aside for these things. Mm-hmm. So if you want to teach your kids to manage money responsibly, then you want to teach them the concept of, hey, never let your bills go past 70% and then take money and set it aside for savings, fun money, and tithing. Mm-hmm. And... And then they'll have that buffer and they'll have that freedom. They'll have that peace of mind. They won't go into debt. And so that's the way that you teach them to manage money, actually manage money and not just, you know, have this free for all spending spree with Mm. money that you hand them. And we subscribe to the 10, 10 and 10 rule. Mm. The 70% goes to bills. There are other iterations, but that's the one Money Pants has adopted. So, and let's just kind of, uh, I think the next little section I want to breeze through each one of those 10, 10, and 10. So we kind of already talked about the first 10%, which is tithing, where, you know, it, you, give the, you give money to God and you help the poor. The rising tide lifts all boats. You help those who are less fortunate. And you know what? Make it, a, if, if it could be church or it could be pretty much any other charity or, or uh, uh, generous a, a organization of your choice. It doesn't have to be church per se, but whatever it is, take your money and 
first 10% and help those who are less fortunate than yeah, you. Yeah, it could. Um, you, you could let your child pick and go, hey, there's this rehab center mm-hmm. uh, that helps people get off of drugs. There's um, the cause of helping um, stop sex trafficking. There's all sorts of really good causes that would be a good conversation with your kids. Yeah. And where it would get them thinking outside of themselves, and they'll feel good about what they're doing to make the world a better place. And Rachel had some good comments on that as well. We'll hear from her in a second. The the next thing, the next 10% is savings. And we, okay, there are a couple options here, and I really like some of these ideas. One option is... You can use that savings account, the 10% for, and this is what we suggest, is use it as a bonus for when your kids leave home. So, you know, as a going away present where, oh, wow, you know, in the 10 years you've been here at home, you've been saving up for this savings goal. Look at this. You got $2,000 in money pants. Here you go. We'll hand it to you as a going off to college present. And the neat thing is, is because the kids have been using money pants, they understand how hard it is to earn that money and they have responsibility and they've had a track record of using money wisely. That $2,000 that you're sending them off to college with, they're going to be very smart with that money. And it's, <laughs> and it's great. So that, that's one option. You could, you could even have fun with it. You could say, hey, we'll do a matching program. However much you save up before college, we'll, we'll match that, you know. Right. Uh, so maybe they're, they'll put aside even more than 10%. So, so there, there are all sorts of uh, great options. But um, Or, you know, if you do have a specific goal, like, so that works if you don't have a specific goal. Just say, you know what, this will be for when you leave home. But if you do have a specific goal you're saving up for, make sure you label it. Otherwise, it will become a slush fund. If you don't tell your money what to do, it will do its own thing. It'll do stupid things. It'll do stupid things. And, you know, <laughs> I know Dave Ramsey talks about this all the time where you have to label your money. Tell your money what to do. And yeah. Well, like if you have the goal, hey, I want a year's worth of income set aside in the bank or six months of income set aside, make that as your goal. And then you can put that in a... No, it's it's like... Uh, the, in the account. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, it's like the, um, the the couple who saved up, I think, $600 for their emergency fund in, in their savings account. And just then, uh, one of the tires went bad on their car. And so they were like, oh, good thing I had this emergency fund. And they went out and bought all new tires. And I'm like, no, 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 that, that's not what that's what the emergency fund is for. And I guess you need to define what an emergency is, but they kind of missed the point where they're like, they, they saved up enough money. And as soon as they had that amount of money, something came along and took it away because they didn't label it. They didn't give it a purpose. It wasn't, they, this is our vac- if they had said, no, this is our vacation fund then that $600 would not have gone to new tires, which, you know, they may or may not have needed. Um, instead, they'd be like, uh, okay, we can get discount tires over here, or we can patch the tire, or we can run on a spare, rather than using that 600 bucks to buy new tires, because they knew it was their vacation budget, and they weren't about to dip into their vacation budget to buy stupid tires. But because it didn't have a label, it was too easy to go, oh, yeah, we just we bought new tires. There's always going to be something to take your money away. And that, well, and that was my you, experience. You had a personal experience yeah, with I, that. I had a paper out. I always had money. And for some reason, I always had good jobs as a kid. And I had, I don't know, several hundred, maybe even a thousand bucks saved up for my paper route. And I was, what, 13? So I didn't have like a goal in mind. I was just like, oh, wow, I, I was offered this paper route. I made a lot of money. I worked hard. And I had all this money. And I didn't know what to do with it. And so I was just sitting there in my, uh, I had this big black chest at the bottom of my 
at the edge, end of my bed and, and I would keep it in there. And one day a friend was over and he's like, he saw my money. He's like, oh, hey, can I borrow 20 bucks? I'm like, yeah, sure. Because I had the money. Why not? And of course, I never saw him again. He never paid it back. But it made me realize really quickly, wait a minute. My money is going to disappear if I don't put it to work for me. If it doesn't have a purpose, it's just going to disappear. Just, just like that, I lost 20 bucks. Just like that. And so I finally decided, okay, you know what? What, what am I going to do with this money? What do I want? I'm like, I want a computer. I, want, I wanted an Amiga computer. The one that could, you make music on. And they, they had the, the four voice uh, audio card where you could play four voices simultaneously, which was a big deal at the time because, you know, computers can have, they can have one sound. It was beep, 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 beep. You know, that's all you could do with a computer. But the Amiga, no. It could do four voices simultaneously and, uh, and it had all these cool programs. I'm like, oh, that's what I want. And I did. I ended up saving up and I bought that computer. It was everything I hoped for and wanted. And, and I did. I learned an important lesson where you got to give your you got to give your savings, you got to give your your money a goal. So I have a, a quick question about the savings. In the Money Pants app, mm-hmm. do you have the ability to label what the savings is for? Yeah. So just cha- you, you click on it and give it a new name. Okay. So which, it, it's automatically set aside as 10%. Right. But if you click on it, you can give that savings Actually, and we a recommend name. giving it a name. Yeah. So give, if, give it a purpose. So yeah, if you, you didn't realize that it was an option, that's an option. Tap and you should and take from, advantage of that. Yeah, change it from, I think it says, choose savings goal or enter savings goal. Okay. Yes. Tap on it and enter a savings and goal. And then what happens at the end of the year? Because you make your budget for the year. What happens to your savings piggy bank at the end of the year before you start a new year? Does that money, does it start over the next year or does it keep accumulating year after year? On oh the yeah. App? Savings just keeps accumulating unless, okay. you, unless you spend it. Unless it does, you spend it. doesn't go it. away. Okay, so when a new year starts and a new budget starts and, you know, the app sets aside 10%, mm. there's going to already be money in there in addition to the 10%. Right, and we should probably clarify. Yeah, when if you, at the end of the year and you're making a new budget or anytime during the year and you make a new budget, any money that you haven't spent that you've earned towards all your little piggy banks... That'll all go into your savings piggy bank as well. Okay, so if, like, let's say our son signed up for basketball Mm -hmm. and basketball didn't cost quite as much as he had set aside because we tell people, you know, estimate high, estimate high, high, so you're sure to stay within your budget. And you know what? Instead of $300, it was $250. And so there's $50 left in his basketball account. At the end of the year, that unused basketball money automatically will be put into savings yeah. and and go towards whatever his savings goal is. Yeah. Okay. So and then the next the next so we talked about tithing, we talked about savings. Now we, let just briefly let's talk about fun money. And I mean this one's kind of well, it's pretty easy. It's just like it sounds. It's money that you don't really have to be accountable for. So it's just yeah, impulse purchases, um, you can you can spend it on stupid things and that's the thing that I like is that it's only 10%. So you give, you're giving your kids all this money. And for some families, it's like 40 bucks a week. It, it's a lot. And the, the, the parents are freaking out going, $40 a week, my kid, they can't handle that amount. Well, yes, they can, because only 10% of that is fun money. $4 a week, max. 
So, so you know, and heaven forbid. So whatever you were paying your kid allowance before, yeah. <laughs> chances are it was more than four dollars. Yeah, and you know, and that's the thing is what a great uh, opportunity for the kid because they will they will spend the money frivolously. They'll make mistakes and they'll go buy stupid stuff. I remember the, the there was this, and, and they'll learn from it. They'll they'll go, oh wow, you know what? That four dollars I spent on that ice cream cone, hmm, I could have got eight for the same price here. Ah, now I know better. And that reminds me of the Benjamin Franklin story. What? How did that go? Where he was? He he came he from a big like family. He bought like a whistle for a penny or something, and it wasn't actually worth. I, he bought a whistle yeah. for too much money, like some. He was little, and the mm. money was burning a hole in his pocket. And when he came home with his whistle, he was so proud. And when his brothers and sisters, which he had many, um, saw saw that their little brother had spent so much on a whistle, they just started laughing. They're like, you wasted your money. That was not worth it. And so that's kind of where he learned to, to be a little wiser with his spending. And fun money gives you your sanity with your budget. Um, as an adult, you've, you've got to have that fun money. Otherwise, you end up like going, okay, everything's budgeted, everything's budgeted, and then you go out and yeah. blow all your money yeah, you, because you, you break. You, you break. You, you, yeah. you snap. You can't, for some reason, you have to have that just dumb money. Yeah, <laughs> this is what maybe really... we should call it dumb money, but you need money that you could flush down the toilet if you wanted to. And it doesn't need to be a lot, but and for I don't, some I don't reason. Know why. That, there's got to be a psychological reason behind that. But yeah. as, as human beings, if we don't have that ability to be flexible mm-hmm. especially when it comes to spending we do we crack and then we end up going i can't take it and you end up buying instead of buying a bunch of little stupid things for a couple bucks you end up buying something big like a, a ski do or something where you're like what did I, i'm dropping a thousand dollars and you're like oh what did i do and yeah i and i don't know why it is but when you do when you snap you know and maybe it's after four months maybe if it's after six months you end up making a large mistake yeah with Why? with with my I don't know. We've seen it over and over but again. But if though. you can spend four dollars stupidly, it it kind of satiates that need. Yeah, it's like, it's like putting the lid on the pot of water that's starting to boil, and you know you got the fun one is like taking the lid off every or, now and then, or having the little steam thing open so right. steam's escaping. Right. But if, if you, you have leave a pressure that lid on, cooker, the pressure cooker is going to blow the lid off. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that happened to me once, by the way. <laughs> I've never used a pressure cooker since. <laughs> it was terrifying. So, and so that's kind of the concept behind fun money. And Rachel will also have some thoughts on that. But I want to talk now, just to kind of wrap up this section, I want to talk about how the piggy banks work. And we've, we've worked pretty hard on this. And I'm, I'm really proud of how I think if effective this is, where on payday, this is how the piggy banks in the Money Pants app work, where right off the top, 10% goes to tithing, no matter what. No matter where you are, uh, no matter how much you made, 10% will go towards tithing. Okay, so on payday, when you hit pay and the money gets distributed to the piggy banks, mm-hmm. the first thing that happens, the first thing the app does is it is it puts 10% of however much they earned into yeah. their tithing piggy yeah, bank. It just siphons that off. Okay, right so off the that's top. the that's what it does first. Then okay, and, and you know that's all. This is that's what this is all about is 
on payday, where does the money go? I guess that's the question we're going to. Yeah, answer. and we've gotten asked this by uh-huh. customers. Uh, so, so this is this is that answer. If if you're wondering what I, what what is the app doing with the money yeah. and how is it going about distributing things? It says putting money into piggy banks. Well, how, where does it go? Where, yeah. So on payday, ten percent goes to tithing, no matter what. Zip zip zip. There it goes. Then the next thing is the bills that have due dates. They get filled up. So if you have football coming up in June and it needs to, and that piggy bank needs $15, $15 will go into that football piggy bank. And then bills with no due dates will get filled, like your clothing budget or whatever. And then if there's money left over, 10% goes into savings. And then if there's still money left over, then uh, if any money left goes into your fund money. And this I thought was very clever where if you don't make your, if you don't earn your weekly amount, Say you're supposed to make 20 bucks a week, but you only make 15, 15, you're not going to have fun money. Yeah. So, but if you're supposed to be able to make 20 bucks a week, Mm -hmm. what will happen is you will have 10% put into tithing, Mm -hmm. 70% put into bills, Mm -hmm. 10% put into fun money, and then 10% put into savings. Now, here's the neat thing. If you earn more than that, the extra goes into fun money. So you're motivated to work and help out around the house. And that's where we taught, you know, kids will come asking mom and dad if they have anything, any other jobs to do for that very reason that, oh, yes. And that becomes their fun money at the end of the week. So, you know, the kid makes $22. Well, they're 2% tithing. So that's $2. Or sorry, 10% is tithing. That's $2. 10% savings. That's another $2. But they get more than 10%, 10% in their fun money. They get $4 in fun money. Hey, hey all right. This is great. Mm-hmm. Well, so, we recently, um, Falcon and Blackstone, they wanted to buy a remote control airplane. Mm-hmm. So they, they went and did some math and figuring, and they're like, okay, if we do this much of job jar, if we do all our jobs and then we do job jar, we will be able to pay for this extra thing, this mm-hmm. fun toy in you know this amount of time. And they had it all calculated, and it was great for me. They're like, hey, mom, what can we do to help? And, and What kid does that? Yeah. What kid does that? <laughs> so I was handing, you know, getting all sorts of great things done. But that's how it works is if you earn more than the amount that is set aside, you know, your potential earnings, if you do everything on your chart, it, anything extra than that goes to your fund money account and and you get to decide whatever you want to do with that. Now, but what happens if you don't? Yeah, so let's earn talk about right talk amount. about the flip side. If you don't have enough money for your bills, you weren't making your bed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you weren't brushing your teeth. You, <laughs> you first, first things first, those bills still need to be paid. They, they need to be filled up. And so if you don't have enough money to pay your bills, it takes the money out of your fund money in order to pay your bills. And then it'll if you don't have enough in your fund money, then it'll dip into your savings for you to pay your bills. And then if you still don't have enough money, then the bill will turn red. And it'll say, um, yeah, you got a problem. You're not going to be able to pay your bills. You're not going to be able to play football. You're not going to be able to play soccer. You're going to have to cancel. Take your ballet lessons or whatever. Well, it'll recommend... Either get outside income, go start knocking doors and asking the neighbors for help, or job jar time. Yeah, and it will tell you how much you're behind. Mm-hmm. Hey, this piggy bank is underfunded by $6. You're $6 behind. Yep. So get to work. Uh, get to work. Which, uh, but there's, or it, your, your only other option is to cancel. But there's real-life lessons there, too, where you know you can't have fun money 
if you're not paying your bills, if you're not, if you don't earn enough money, like in the real world, <laughs> if you don't work hard and you don't get enough hours per week, if you don't earn enough money, you're not going to have money to to blow on stupid stuff. You're not going to have that discretionary money. So now that we've described to you what the app does, and we go back to that first story of the mom saying, hey, paying your kids, it's not teaching them to be responsible mm-hmm. with money. It's it's not teaching them how the real world works at all. Mm-hmm. Looking at how money pants works, where it's, it's kind of a mock reality uh-huh. uh, using discretionary money that you were going to spend anyway way but you know isn't food isn't you know housing isn't mm-hmm. you know the the true necessities this is preparing children to be ready to handle money responsibly yeah. and and they will be very grounded and very aware of how things actually Work. It's not going to be a shock to them mm-hmm. when when they start paying their own bills right. and having their own income, and so and that's, it will really ease that transition into adulthood and in, re- in the real world. Yeah, and so it's important though to know how the app works, so you can explain this to your kids right. when you're using it. Of hey, well, wait a minute, you didn't earn enough. It takes it. You know, why don't I have fun money? Then you can say, well, you didn't earn you didn't, enough this you week. You didn't earn enough this week. You have to earn and show them. Hey, here on the bottom of the app, it tells you you you're supposed to. It has you're a bar. Twenty five bucks there's every a, week. There's a little blue bar at the mm-hmm. bottom of um, of their page that shows them how close they are to reaching their weekly potential yep. uh, earnings. Say, hey, that bar's got to go all the way to the it's end. Turn green if you want your fun money. Yep. It, anyway, it's a, a good opportunity to teach them on a regular basis, have having them adjust to this idea of how things actually work. Yeah. And so, so this is this is the solution. Uh, instead of saying, "Oh, we're not going to pay our kids," and I'm not going to let my kids handle money, this is this is the. The other option, the solution of, hey, no, you actually can. And probably should. And should be tra- teaching your kids how to handle money responsibly and how to I think it's budget. A gr- it's a great system. It, it really it, is. It, it, I think it really does help. Well, I know it, it helps kids learn about being responsible with their money, with but still giving them that leeway and that flexibility. The, the 10, 10, and 10 rule is I think it's a great concept. It's very conservative. Yep. It's conservative. It's not extreme. It's but it's it's a, a habit that benefits that benefits adults and right. absolutely you should be teaching it to your children and getting them used to that concept. And now we're going to turn a little bit of time over to uh, a, a segment of the podcast we recorded at a, earlier with our guest Rachel Burns. And so here, here is that. Uh, here's some of those. Here, here are some snippets from that podcast. Yeah, she she had some uh, some extra insights from her line of work, and and uh, yeah. So here we go. Welcome. Good to have you. Thank you. Um, can you tell tell us a little about yourself? Uh, let let our listeners know. You know who you are and what what your background is. Sure. So again, I'm Rachel Burns. I have a company called True Worth Financial Planning, mm-hmm. and I work primarily with younger women, single women, um, but but for the majority of my career, I worked in traditional wealth management and I did financial planning for people all across the board. And so I have some perspectives on, you know, the, the financial 
skills and habits that people start off with and how that develops later in life. So hopefully that'll be helpful in this. Okay. Um, and you're a certified financial planner. I am. Right. Yes. So what does that mean? Did you go to school for this? Like, what? Yeah. So I, I majored in finance. I got an MBA after that. And then I went back and got a master's in financial planning. Good grief. <laughs> We're in the presence of something very smart. <laughs> I like there. reading books and I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty good at taking tests. So I continued with school for quite a while. But a certified financial planner, it's a, it's a professional designation that's kind of on top of your education. And that gives you some expertise in financial planning specifically and all the different areas of financial planning. So that includes retirement planning, estate planning, insurance, all aspects of your financial situation. And so uh, it just gives you some more in-depth training on those specific areas, which makes you a lot more valuable as a financial planner when you have that broader perspective. And how long how long have you been doing this? So I've been in the business for about 13 years. I'd say I've worked with between five and 600 families over the years. Okay, excellent. That's kind of what we wanted to talk about today, <clears throat> kind of that education about money. Because, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know when I was a kid, I didn't learn about debt or finances or ba even balancing a checkbook. None of that was in there in my schooling. Matter of fact, I didn't even learn, I didn't learn that until I'd started my career. And I had, for a very brief period, I had a desk job and I was bored out of my mind. And I learned Excel spreadsheets and I'm like, well, I guess I should find out where all my money's going. And that's what started it for me. And then I graduated into money software where I was able to enter, enter into the software programs and keep track of my money and come up with budgets and stuff. But nobody taught me. I don't know of anyone that has experience learning financial skills in school, whether it's elementary school, middle school, high school, or college, and even majoring in finance and getting an MBA. I don't think I ever heard any lessons about personal finance. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow. We learned higher level concepts and, and lots of investing topics, but nothing, nothing that comes down to the individual level, really. And no wonder Dave Ramsey's so popular. <laughs> I know, no, really. I knew, like. <laughs> no wonder this is a problem. So obviously there's a <clears throat> there's a problem with financial literacy. And if they're not gonna learn it in school, they're they're gonna need to learn it from their parents. If you know, hopefully kids are lucky enough to have parents that that bring up the subject and talk to kids about money and teach them about and money. Have an MBA. And it helps, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um but with the the concepts in money pants what's what's great about that is not only are you having the conversation with kids about money and you're teaching them your values but you're, you're actually allowing them to participate in the in the family's finances and so they're learning firsthand how they're learning these skills that are going to translate all throughout you know up until adulthood they're these are these are going to stay with them forever and giving them a sense of independence and empowerment by having, you know, this little pot of money and I get to decide what to do with it. It's it's really exciting for them. And so they're learning and they're enjoying it. And they're, you know, they're not really spending it on things that you wouldn't be buying for them anyway, but it's it's theirs and they're the one in control and they have the power and that makes them feel really good. And they like the feeling of making good financial decisions because they see the benefits of that. 
Now, did you have that experience as a kid? Like, what was what was your upbringing like? Were your parents? Did they have MBAs and were they you know <laughs> were they uh, were they uh, CFPs or CPAs? Like, what what was your experience? Did you have spending money as a kid? Did you have a job as a kid? Like, how did you? I'm very curious how you kind of arrived at where you are today. Yeah. So my parents are not in the business. Totally unrelated jobs, um, but they did definitely teach us about money. And I remember- Like, like a sit down formal, okay, Sally, no, here we are, Here's this is how money works? Very or? informal. Um, and a, a good example is when it came to back to school time, my mom gave me a certain amount of money for school clothes, whatever it was back then, I don't remember. Let's say let's say $100. She said, this is, this is what you have. You can get as much stuff as you want. I mean, if you can get a whole bunch of things or if you want to get a couple of things that are... And she said that? Yeah. She, so she explained to you kind of, okay, here's the $100. You can blow it all on one blouse or you could be more careful and buy five or six blouses that yeah. are cheaper. Okay. Yeah. She she empowered me to make that decision. And and what she, what she realized is that I really enjoyed trying to figure out what I could get. And okay, if I get this and if I get this and this is on sale... And then I could get more of this. And there was this whole strategy to it. And I, it really appealed to my puzzle-loving brain. And, and I really got excited about it. And I would tell her, oh my gosh, I saved 20% on these pants. And then I could get these shoes. And, and it made it so much fun. And she didn't have to fight with me about, well, I want this. And I want this. And I want this. And I want this. It was like, it's up to you. You decide what you're going to get. It's, it took the... It took the um, negotiating out of it between a kid and an adult. I love that. And and it's funny because now that I am an adult and I go to the grocery store and I come home and I and I call and I tell my mom, I got I got crab legs on sale. There were only eleven dollars <laughs> a pound at Sprouts and I get all excited and it's it's something I I never outgrow. And obviously that's a personality trait in me and in her. Like not everyone gets that excited about spending about saving a couple dollars on crab legs, but it's something that I learned when I was young and it's served me well into adulthood. Um, so I, I want to kind of go, I want to talk about the, 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 the three tens. I want to talk about tithing. I want to talk about savings. And I really want to hear your concepts on that. And then I want to talk about fun money. Mm -hmm. um, tithing. We, okay. So the first, did you have? Oh, well, I, how, how, like your adult clients, like how have you seen like plans like that work for them? Like what, yeah. What are your comments like from an adult? Because we're saying, hey, kids should learn to set the money aside for these things. Tithing first, then, yeah. so, then long-term savings. So and then why would that money. be important for their future? And like when they become adults. Or is it? It, it is. And it's, and the, like the 10, 10, 10 rule, for example, that's totally applicable in your adult life. It doesn't matter the dollar value that we're talking about. It's totally scalable. So you can continue doing that well into your adulthood. And I would say that that's a, that's a, those are pretty common proportions. I would say, I think it's perfect. I think um, it teaches, it teaches kids the most important lessons when it comes to finances. I think with the tithing, I think Teaching kids generosity is one of the most important values you can teach early on. And um, whether it's church or whether it's uh, charity or whatever, it's still such a valuable lesson. And giving them some 
participation in that, I think will will make them feel really good and make them give them a sense of purpose. And what 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 does it matter? Because I've read and I, I've read a lot of books on this topic, and you know the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad and and um, other other authors who they're like, you know what? It's interesting to me is that every and this is what they say in the book is like the, some of the most the, some of the richest people in the world are also the most charitable or the most generous. Mm-hmm. And he, he never really explained why, other than there seems to be a true principle there that when you give to others, it comes back to you. And I'm curious, as a as a finance person, have you have you seen that? Is there any data to support that, or is that just kind of mumbo jumbo? Is do you subscribe to that? Like what? Yeah, I think charitable giving is it's a value and it's not something that everyone values but i would say it's something that a whole i mean of of the clients that i've worked with a huge majority of them gave to their churches gave to charities gave to all sorts of causes whether their generosity contributed to their financial success it's hard to know which came first it's hard i don't know that there's like a direct link between those but i i think that if you are generous i think it does come back to you and i have i have no data to support that but that's what i feel but i think that charitable giving i think that's good in the long run for a whole dip, a whole bunch of reasons you know just being a making a difference in the world that you live in big or small i think i think that's just an important value to pass on to kids we have some clients who are very, very wealthy, and we have others who are not as wealthy. And it's it seems to be, and I could be wrong, but my experience has been so far that the one the more wealthy they are, the more adamant they are about their kids learning this whole tithing or, or donations concept. Do you have any idea why that would be, or or am I am I just being anecdotal? Um, no, I think I've seen the, I've seen the same thing, and I think it's because the the people that are in the best position to give charitably have seen the results of that and so they know i think it's so much more important when they've seen what can be accomplished with with money and they it's it's and i would agree it's with the wealthier clients that i've worked with getting their kids involved in charitable giving has definitely been a really important thing to them Hmm. and i think that just the satisfaction that kids feel from giving is another great reason for them to do that. I mean, obviously it benefits the recipients of that money, but but I've uh, I read this book about different way, different things that you spend money on and how much satisfaction you get from spending in these different areas. And it was so interesting because the things that you get the least satisfaction from spending money on are things like cars or objects that depreciate. So you buy a new car and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this car. And then a week later, it's just your car. It's just the thing that gets you where you need to go. And it's not quite as exciting and you're, you're still paying for it probably, but it's, you know, the things that, that that are a little bit frivolous, that lose their luster, those are the things that you kind of get the least payoff with in terms of satisfaction from. And the things that you get the most satisfaction from. Well, I would say one step up from that are experiences. The money that you spend on experiences, things that give you really great memories. Remember when we went on that trip as a family and we had so much fun? Or remember when we went to visit so-and-so? Those are things that you continue to get 
joy from even years later because you have these great memories Mm -hmm. and it's like the gift that keeps on giving. So then I think that the top one is you get the most satisfaction from using your money to help others, whether that's (sighs) even if, I mean, if it it could be a gift or it could be charitable giving, it could be all sorts of different things. But when you invest your money in a way that improves someone's life or makes them happy or that's that you get more joy from that than if you bought something to give yourself joy in the book they said that that was but that brought that gives you the most satisfaction wow with your spend wow i mean i would imagine not everyone feels that way but but in general that's so basically if you learn to spend your money unselfishly you'll be happier yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at this age, but um, but I think, um, and then with the long-term savings, that's obviously my favorite part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Giving kids a longer-term perspective is really important. It's, it's hard to have that, pers- I mean, the younger you are, the harder it is to think about that, but getting them to save for something long-term, because everyone has short, medium, long-term goals, getting them to set some goals and to understand if I give up something small now, I can have something bigger later. And they can see the power of compounding interest, which is another one of my favorite things, seeing just how how their savings can grow and how their money can work for them rather than working and working and working. To, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a minimal effort way to grow your money. Maybe compounding interest is a, is a slightly advanced concept for some kids, but I think you can give them some examples that they'll understand. Like there's this, this, uh, this example I really like where if, if I gave you a penny today and then tomorrow I doubled your money and then the next day I doubled it again and I just kept doing that every day for a month. Starting with a penny, what do you think you'd end up with at the end of the month? Well, most people say a couple thousand bucks, right? Like 1.3 million in less than a month. I knew I knew that answer because I've done that before, but most people would wow. say, because I remember when I first did it, I'm like, yeah. look, you'd have a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. $1.3 million. In like 27 days, I think. But I think it, it, it it's something that the kids can understand. Like, wow, it, the money builds on itself and it, and it grows exponentially. It's not just a linear thing. And I think showing them that can really inspire them to The value save. of saving. Mm-hmm. When I was a little kid and I had, I would add to my savings, my mm-hmm. mom would take me into the bank, give them my savings, and then they'd print the new balance in this little like laminated book. And it was so fun because I got to, I got to watch the balance grow because mm-hmm. there's a little entry for each date that you oh, go in there. that's brilliant. I'm sure. What better way to teach a kid the value of savings yeah. than to see it grow? I think I still have it. I Actually, I do have it. It was in my, I found it um, in storage the other day, but... Could it obviously you? doesn't. They don't. They don't make those. I'm sure anymore. But but there are That's apps, so, and you can check your balances. But showing kids no, but seeing it happen running, over time, running balance. Yeah. There you go. That's brilliant. Okay, so and you're just talking about a regular savings account. Mm-hmm. Is there something better that than a savings account? That I would probably start start small. I would probably go to the bank and find out what. Even like a, a CD that's maybe a year or two, what I like about that is it ties up the money so the kids can't 
get to it. Oh. That's kind of nice. Yeah, that is nice. It's going to pay a little bit more interest if it's longer term. And it's easy to understand the interest calculation is, is pretty simple. Um, I would probably start with something like that. All right, so now I want to just touch briefly and kind of wrap it up here uh, on on fun money. And we've, I guess, we've kind of bounced around fun money a lot. But if you don't have any fun, then they're not going to want to participate in any of it. So there has to be some kind of fun, unrestricted part that's like, hey, go crazy, have fun with this. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to tell you what you can and can't do. Obviously, you could have some restrictions, like don't go out and spend this on a really violent video game, or like the, you know, having rules that that. Yeah, you don't want your kids buying alcohol or, you know, drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But in terms of, like, candy or uh, (laughs) movie theater tickets or whatever, like, I would say I think that's great because they can choose what they value or what they – and then they can learn from mistakes, too, because undoubtedly they'll make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they'll go out and spend it all on something really dumb, and then they'll be like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that, and next time I'm not going to do that. So it's kind of like, yeah, go – Go buy a bunch of dumb stuff. Go ahead. It's a self-teaching process. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's not like the whole amount of money. Right. Right. You it, know, it's, it's only ten percent. Is a very reasonable amount that mm-hmm. if they if it literally evaporated, it's not going to be that big of a deal, and it's still going to be a valuable learning experience. Mm-hmm. But they also get to have some fun, which makes all learning experiences more tolerable, and it's fun. It lets off so, the pressure, and it encourages you to get creative about. Fun money. And that's an important skill for everyone to have mm-hmm. is learn to entertain yourself without spending a whole bunch of money. And I, my friend and I, we always joke that we could have fun just doing the stupidest things. But there's been times a long time ago when we'd be, hey, I'm short on money. Let's just go to the grocery store and get a bunch of cheese and let's just go sit out on the trail and eat cheese. Like just just doing random things, but we make everything fun. Cause it's, I mean, it's the two of us and we're having a good time no matter what we're doing, but it's like, we could have so much fun for so little money. And I think that's an important skill because if you have to just constantly be spending money to keep yourself busy, maybe you have another issue. <laughs> okay. Well, another thing when it comes to living on more or less money, you will adapt to whatever the new normal is, whether it's going up or going down, you can adapt to needing to live on less money. And if you need to adapt to $10 a month in fund money, you will make the most out of that $10. And you're not gonna feel deprived because you're gonna get used to it. I mean, it, it after a month or two, you're, well, that's my $10 and I'm gonna have as much fun as I can with $10. But, and then once your budget allows for you to spend a little bit more, then you get used to that and that's your new normal. And it's not like you, you can adjust to just about any type of situation. And I think with finances, when people are like, oh, I can't live on that little, you know, I I can't afford to save that much. It's like, you can do it. You'll get over it pretty quick, quicker than you think. And that's it. Those are, those are all of our thoughts on the 10, 10 and 10 rule. And special thanks to Rachel Burns for joining us. You you are a wealth of knowledge. Thank you for being on uh, the show with us today. Thank you for having me. This was, this was so much fun. And if you like what you hear in this podcast, please tell your friends. They may want to listen too. And if you have a suggestion for a future podcast, go to our website under support. Click contact us. Send us an email and we'll get right on it. And that's it for today. Enjoy some of Falcon Jasper's zany zipping zithers. We'll see you next time.